Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. Welcome to Tribe Stories. With Tribe Stories, essentially, we put together some of the conversations that we have um, at the tribe just to encourage you on your spiritual journey and to help you answer some of the deepest questions about life. So uh, today we're going to be talking about identity, the question of who am I? Um, Who am I is actually a very interesting question. And I think at some point, you will ask yourself. And if you don't ask yourself, someone else will ask you. Some of us may never ask this question until we hit rock bottom and the very foundation upon which we have constructed our identity or significance or meaning starts to come apart. But it's a very simple question that points to something more germane about who we are. Very interesting fact that we didn't make ourselves means that we can't always start with ourselves to find that question or find that answer. So the quest to understand identity is an essential journey that every human being must take. Our definition of success or our perception of self or even maybe our understanding of happiness and ultimately our fulfillment of purpose is all linked or tied to our identity. Now, this is something that speaks to me a lot because Personally, I've actually had search to find who am I in the midst of life. Yes, a young man, a father, a husband, or a pastor, or the different roles that we carry, or a CEO. These are all roles. They're not really the definition of who we are. We must first of all step away from the roles to realize that these are not the things that define us. Because sometimes we can lose them. You might be the CEO of a big company today and the next day you're no longer a CEO. So what does it mean that you don't have an identity anymore? You can be married today and unfortunately maybe you lose your marriage. What's your identity if you lose that? So we cannot build our identity on all of these things or on any of them. Our identity has to be something that lies deep within ourselves and not in anything we can have or lose Now, when it comes to trying to understand identity, I think there are three areas I I like to describe. First of all, I call this the first one, the narrative identity, which is about stories. And the second concept of identity is the aesthetic identity. And then the third identity is actually the authentic identity in Christ. Now, think of identity like a ladder. And these concepts of identity are like different rungs on the ladder or maybe like a pack of cards. One has to be at the core and the other one has to be before the nest. Now, the reality is that we have all of these three identities playing out before us. So what is really the the concept of the narrative identity, uh, which I call the meta-narrative? First of all, we are all creations of stories. So we need first to unpack the stories that shaped us. This is actually our fundamental identity. It's more like the autobiographical self, the self that you know. And this actually is what impacts our worldview. There's actually a writer, uh, Patrick Rothfuss. Uh, He's the author of the book, 
um, the name of the wind, he actually said something very interesting. It's like everyone tells a story about themselves inside their own head, always, all the time. That story makes you what you are. He goes on to say, we build ourselves out of that story. Now, this concept of identity implies that our history and our stories are very linked to each other. And our sense of identity is also dependent on the stories that we know about ourselves. And it's called the meta-narrative. The meta-narrative is like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It often creates a pattern for us. So we could all be easily fooled into believing a false sense of identity on the basis of this story. Now, when you meet people who are playing the victim, underneath that drama is the belief that whatever played out in their past or whatever happened to them before is more powerful than the present. So the victim mentality is oftentimes that you take an event from your past and define your entire identity on the basis of that. So it's really about a story. Sometimes people let their struggles to become their identity. Sometimes people allow their sexuality to become the basis upon which they define their identity. But it's all about a story. As long as we make an identity out of our pain or our pursuit of pleasure or the people around us, we can't really be free. We will soon realize that our identity will keep changing with the outcome of each event or the encounter that we have with different people we meet and the different things that happens to us. So if your identity is just a memory, when the memory disappears, the self dissolves. You're more than a memory. You're more than your past. You're more than your pain. You're more than a story. You can have a story, but that story doesn't say all about you. It's only a fragment of who you really are. So the danger of a narrative identity is that sometimes history can be inaccurate and is even prone to mistakes. Now, um, the Nigerian writer Adiche spoke about the danger of a single story in one of the TED Talks and she said, sometimes we're in the grip of a single story. There is not always one interpretation to a story. There is not only one story. But our stories, no matter how well we tell them, can sometimes be distorted. Sometimes the facts are not always solid and other times the stories might just be maybe a prison wall if we allow them. If we do not step back for a minute to interrogate our narrative and to investigate the stories, we could easily get lost in the maze. Now, here is the point for this. Experience does not shape our worldview. It is the truth of God's word that must trump experience. It is one thing to have the experience. It is another thing for the experience to have you. For us, we all have to learn to take responsibility, to assign our own interpretation to the stories and the events that happen to our lives. It is not about just interpreting the experience. It is also about interpreting them in the context of the gospel. Because when you come to realize the gospel, it changes everything. If you don't do that, we'll all get trapped working in society lives. We are more than the sum of our experiences and all that we have been through. That is the fact of life. Have you ever heard the saying, hurting people hurt people? And what this means is that whatever played out in the past broke them. And broken children, these broken children often end up as troubled adults. When we understand how powerful the narrative identity controls much of our lives, we can easily rationalize why the hardest people are often the most broken. They go on allowing themselves to be victims of the same narrative, reenacting the account with every opportunity they get. God never designed anyone to be an area boy. He never placed anyone on the streets. But the reality is God is actually an expert in remaking screw-ups. 
So here is what Carl Jung said, and I'll quote him. He said, I am not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. Would you spend your whole life reliving the same broken script or would you want to discover a new consistent and empowering narrative about you? Some of these things will never go away until we confront them. We must confront our narrative. We should never run away from them. So remember again that our identity can never be constructed from our stories. It has to emerge from something more consistent. In Christ, we no longer have a secret sin or a shameful past or reduced a broken version of ourselves. We've become the life of Christ fully expressed each day we live. We have a more glorious story in Christ. We have to embrace the gospel about you and not the stories of guilt, of sin, and of shame. I also like to talk about the aesthetic identity. I'll quote Eric Fromm said, If I am what I have, what am I when I lose what I have? And this is the crux of the aesthetic identity. It is like the second rung of the ladder. Essentially, it's about what we project and what people know about us. So every culture has a way of pushing identity capital or doing identity projection. It's like, I think, um, you know, culture is essentially a continuous process of really searching for meaning. And it's also a process by which we affirm our identity. So we sometimes anchor our aesthetic identity on our roles, on our responsibilities, on our careers, relationships, or achievements. These things are not bad in themselves, but when we don't have a durable core, we can easily make these good things the ultimate. And that is the problem. They are nice to have. We can own good things, but they should never be the basis upon which we define ourselves because we could lose them. They should not be the basis upon which we measure our lives or define success. So you think about the media, and particularly social media, holds a tremendous influence on us because media is where culture is created, projected, and consumed. So the entire fashion industry, auto industry, is actually designed to appeal to the aesthetic identity. It is about what we drive, where we live, where we hang out, who we hang out with. Each new season, we have to follow the trend. Each new year, we have to go for the new model. If you let media and culture to define you, it will keep changing its mind. Hence, we have to step away from the aesthetic and just start to ask ourselves, who am I when I'm not, any, not none of these things? Not what you have, not what you drive, not where you live. So the aesthetic identity is actually incredibly competitive because it's always you relative to someone else. It's like everyone goes out keeping up with the Joneses and catching up with the Benjamins. So if you've noticed, some people are way too competitive because they think of life as a single race where everyone starts out at the same point to compete. They're always checking each other out because for them, how am I measuring up to the other person? It's about achievement. It's about that sense of achievement that gives them a sense of exclusivity. This is who I am and that's who they are. It gives you a sense of self-worth. It's like a badge that you hold. Or we must never be defined by achievements. Dr. Martin Lloyd actually said something about our generation that the thinking of today's world is so monstrously superficial. And we see this shallow thinking in different patterns. We use it to measure success. They are way too hollow and too limiting, too ephemeral and too one-dimensional. This is why more often than not, we become victims of our successes. Because in the first place, that measurement is not supposed to be what we measure success with. Many, very many people are trying to buy their way into happiness, often leading an unhealthy dependence on medication and therapy to cope with the pressure of disappointments and other things. 
Take for instance, when we get to the peak of our career and we use our career as the basis of our identity, and then it becomes a yardstick for how we measure success or significance, the next day there is a new MD and you're no longer there. We cannot allow this to be. Society really seems to focus on what we do. But though we are in this world, like our father said, our thoughts and ways are not of this world. We should never let our profession or our roles eclipse our identity. And one of the lingering tragedies of the postmodern world is that people, some people are really what they're supposed to be. So before you slide into somebody's DM, remember that a picture tells a thousand lies. A well-filtered post with a well-edited version of reality is simply a fiction. That people click on the like button of your post doesn't always mean that they like your post. It really means that the options are very limited. It is sometimes a transaction so that when they like your post, you come back and like theirs. So before we get high on our own supply and fall for the social media sales pitch, pause for a second and think, my worth is not determined by the number of likes on my page. That people look rich doesn't mean that they are rich. That they look successful doesn't mean that they feel successful. The reality is true success is actually found when all of these things are stripped of you. There was an interesting book I read by Timothy Keller and one of the quotes that stood out for me, he said, if your identity is in your work rather than in Christ, every success will get to your head and every failure will get to your heart. And that is the crisis of the aesthetic identity. So we've talked about the narrative identity, the aesthetic identity, and now let's talk about what's the real identity? Who are we in Christ? And it it goes all the way back. When Adam fell, everything was broken and lost. It wasn't just a state of spiritual death, but also a loss of identity and purpose. So for the most part, our first experience of being born into this fallen world is a broken experience. We are filled with all false sense of who we are. Before long, we, we become accustomed to the ways of the world and never truly knowing who we are. So if you're not careful, you will just go on living life the way it has always been. We embrace life as it is and everything else around us. We start to limit ourselves based on that narrative. So, but remember the scripture, John 10, 10 says, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. And it's as though there is something about humanity that Jesus saw when he made that statement, that you would have life. is not just in having life, but you have it abundantly. Talking about the abundance of life, what does it even mean? So is it possible to actually attain true happiness? Our identity is actually part of the treasures that Christ has secured for us through our redemption. So many Christians continue to confuse their roles with their identity. But when man fell, he lost his identity. But when Christ came, he restored our identity. This identity starts first with a revelation of who we are in Christ. And then we enter into a relationship with the Holy Spirit, abiding in us and we're yielding to his will. So think about it for a second. Christ brought this inaccurate narrative to a crutch point when he died on the cross. So through the gospel, we understand that Christ did not only redeem the souls of men, but is also restoring our identity, our purpose, and the culture of God. So the gospel narrative of who we are is by far superior to any other narrative that you may have thought about yourself. It is not accurate description of who you are. Christ broke through into our broken culture and he demonstrated for us life as it should be. Not life as it is, but life as God intended it from the beginning. Now, it is actually up to us to unlearn life as we know it and enter into the life as he has revealed to us. So in Matthew 16 verse 15, 
Jesus asked a very important question. He asked the question, Who do you say I am? Now he probed into what his disciples thought of him. And in verse 16, Simon cracked it. He said, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. But this was not revealed to you by flesh or blood, but my Father in heaven. So from this we see that our understanding of identity is not about the rules culture has assembled for us, but what Christ has revealed about us. We, don't, we can get to decide our rules, but not our identity. Our identity is revealed to us. The entire Christian experience rises and falls on our identity. A generation that is not conscious of their identity in Christ will lose out on that which God wants to do. In our everyday life, we identify with a person, an organization, occupation, nationality, or church. But it's also the same thing. It is about finding that durable core. If we don't understand our identity in Christ, it will actually keep us from living the victorious life that Christ has secured for us. We will not exercise ourselves in the privileges of Christ. I am more than myself. I am more than my worth. Your worth is in Christ. I am priceless. That's what the gospel says about us. The gospel goes on to invade every dark spaces in our lives, reminding us that we are justified by God. We are saved by grace and forgiven. We have new desires, new hearts. The gospel provides the meta-narrative on how we should live life. Hosea 4, 6 said, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And here is the catch. If you track to verse 1, you get a clearer picture of what the prophet was talking about. This knowledge is essentially a function of revelation of who God is. And without that fundamental revelation of who God is, we may never come to realization of who we are. And this is why an intimate relationship with our maker is the very place where our identity is constructed, redeemed, restored, and fully revealed. So what has God revealed about identity? Identity in creation, identity in the new recreation, identity in incarnation. Now, in creation, if you go back in Genesis 1.27, you will see that God created mankind in his own image. And in the image of God, he created he, them, male and female. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air. And God said to man, have dominion rule. So that, that's an important point to keep in mind because man is made in the image of God. So when God made man, God spoke to himself, let us make man. So the very raw material for the creation of man is God himself. So, so man cannot figure himself out without looking to God. Man is only a reflection, but God is the reference. And without a reference point, the reflection is a void. And it's important that our definition of self has to be in relation to who God is, not in what culture says about us or our past says about us, but what Christ has revealed about us. So in Psalm 139 verse 13, the psalmist said, How I was sculpted from nothing into something. You were shaped first from inside and then out. You were formed in my mother's womb. So it's, it's breathtaking to think about it like this. Like every artist knows his artwork, we are God's masterpiece, handpicked by him. We are loved. We are people of extreme value and significance. He is the author of the book of our lives. God doesn't make mistakes. We have a glorious beginning in him, even before we are born on the face of the earth. He knew us before we were formed in our mother's bellies. His intention for us has always been a reflection of himself, 
We are God's precious children. He created us for his pleasure. He created us and knows us more intimately than we know ourselves. We just have to give ourselves the permission to be who God has created us to be and to get out of our own way and let him express himself through us. Like a piece of art cannot tell the owner or define itself no matter how beautiful. It takes the owner to name the artwork, to make the artwork, to redeem the artwork. A clay cannot reshape itself. It takes the potter to reshape the clay. Identity cannot be constructed from our stories or fabricated from culture. It has to emerge from who God has revealed about us. So what is the truth of who we are? Our identity is not what others think of us or our worth. Our value is in Christ. It is not about our thoughts of ourselves, but what God thinks about us. Another scripture I'd like to point to is Acts 17, 28. Um, it says, For in him we move, we live, and we have our being. So God himself is the natural environment in which we find our identity. It is in him we move, we have our being. Our identity in new creation, we here again see God himself. So our identity in, in the redemption and the new creation is about understanding the person of Christ and who we are in him. So this is what Paul encouraged the church in Corinth to understand. That all things have passed away, all, all things have become new. All patterns of thinking are gone. Our walk with the Holy Spirit is about Him reminding us of who we are in Christ and is shifting us into this new place in God, teaching us to leave the old paradigms and to get accustomed to the new. He supplies the strength for us to confront the false basis upon which we define ourselves and gives us the capacity to reimagine ourselves over and over again in the context of the cross. And the last identity here is identity in incarnation, and that is talking about Galatians 2.20 states clearly that no longer I, but Christ lives in me. So when you start to understand your, your, the context of the, the authentic identity, look at how God created you. Look at the stories of your redemption in the new creation realities in Christ Jesus. And look at how God is sanctifying himself through you in the incarnation of the life of God inside each and every one of us. So Paul says, no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. And that's a simple suggestion that you are an expression of Christ. And, and that is the story I want you to keep in mind. We are a perfect union with him. We are identified with Christ and have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Just as he is in this world, so are we. We are not working to become accepted, but we are working from his acceptance of us. We are not working towards perfection. We are working from a perfect place because he already declared us perfect in him. So that is the story for you. Let nothing define you but God. You don't just try to make something of you. Let him make the most of you by expressing himself through you. So let's pray. Father, we praise God that we have been chosen and adopted. We praise you that we can boldly approach your throne of grace with freedom and confidence. Rejoice that we have been given victory over our sins and that no matter what defines us in the past, that the life of Christ not defines us now. In him there is no condemnation. We rest in knowing that the Holy Spirit guarantees our inheritance until we acquire our possession of it. We take hearts that no one can snatch us out of the Father's hand. And this is who we are. Amen. You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless.